crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Absolutely tremendous, double tremendous episode today with the all-powerful, all-seeing Nigel Walsh, the Managing Director of Insurance at Google. And uh, Nigel's been uh, a thought leader in um, the insure tech space, the insurance industry in general, um, You know, living in the UK. Uh, he's had the ability to comment on uh, the happenings in our space over both uh, the European and um, you know, kind of international market for us here in the U.S. Uh, not international for him, obviously. We're international for him, but um, as well as the the U.S. market, and to have him share his experience, his insights into um, you know where he sees insurance going, uh, and in particular, we dissect um, the difference between digitizing and the digitalization. Of insurance, and there is a clear difference that you know I had heard those two terms, and even I say in the episode, um, you know, in some cases I thought they were kind of synonymous, or people just use them interchangeably. But <clears throat> as Nigel explains, they're not the same thing, and the nuances of the differences are very important in terms of philosophy and and the future of our industry. And uh, I think. This is just an absolutely tremendous conversation that you're going to love. So I encourage you to follow Nigel on uh, LinkedIn, uh, also a good Twitter follow, and just have him in your ecosystem because as Google gets more involved in insurance, um, Nigel's going to have his hands in that game. And I think it's important to all for all of us to understand what's going on with one of the biggest companies in the entire world. And you know, whichever direction Google decides to go, I think uh, it's worthwhile knowing Uh, what they're doing, and who's behind it. And I think Nigel is a tremendous guy. So uh, it was just an absolute honor to have him on the show and happy to share him and his expertise with you. That being said, and before we get to Nigel, I want to give a big shout out to Tarmica. Tarmica is making small commercial insurance profitable. I've been telling you this for more than a year. Tarmica, T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com, T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com, Tarmica, Tarmica is making small commercial insurance profitable by providing quotes from multiple carriers for multiple lines of business in real time. These are these are true API-driven rates as if you were quoting them in the systems of these carriers. There is no one else doing this. There are other quote-unquote commercial lines raters in the marketplace, but they use weak API connections, oftentimes taken from indications. Um, they're doing a lot of screen scraping. They're asking for your logins. Um, they have limited carrier sets. They have limited product sets, and that is not the case with Tarmica. Tarmica has built out true deep API connections with carriers. And in some cases, they literally built the API that carriers use. And, um, you know, I just couldn't be happier for the success that Ragoff and his team have had and all the agents who are using the platform to drive their small commercial growth. It's a bedrock. It's, it's, a, it's a core piece of the success that we've had at Rogue and our future. And if you want to tap into that, go to T-A-R-M-I-K-A.com, get a demo today and learn all about Tarmica. All right, with that, let's get on to Nigel Walsh. Mr. Hanley. There he is. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. Good. You have a good long weekend? We did. Yeah. Well, it. I could have done, we had a lot of rain, so we had a big 
baseball tournament, little league tournament. My kid's seven and he's playing in this travel, whatever thing. And, um, and, uh, we were pretty pumped up for that because there was like teams from Vermont and other States coming in. It's like his first tournament where it's like out of town teams. And like the fact that he's playing a team from like another state is like a big deal. And, um, and then it rained Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We didn't, we played half of one game. So, um, you know, but, but it was still fun. You know, the kids have a good time or whatever. So they don't care whether it's rain or sleet or snow. They just want to get out. Right. So it's, yes. it's never, never an issue. Yeah. And so, he's still um, at that cool age where um, like every things that like, so the team's from Vermont, right? Like for me, it would be like the next town over for you from like where we live. It's maybe 45 minutes. So, um, you know, whatever. But for him, he's like, whoa, there's a team from Vermont here. Like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> We're going far way away, Dad. Yeah, yeah. So it's like one of those things. That's pretty cool. I love it. I love it. We're, um, we've actually got uh, half term this week as well for the kids. So um, they're actually out with my wife as we speak. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. It's all good. I, in hindsight, I should have taken time off and gone out and stayed with them and, and chilled out. But uh, no, typical Nigel screw it up and i'm now sat on zoom calls and whatever else so yeah one of these days i learned i yeah when you figure that out uh can you do like a white paper and send it to me so that i can know too because i'm basically the same way honestly my wife will say to me hey it's half term I, I won't even think twice unless she just says she's got to basically say hey you're booking holiday and I go, all right that's it i'm done yeah so yeah, I, I had this conversation with my wife. This is a few years ago when I was traveling a lot. And I was like, just be super specific with what you want me to do. I, I, it's Because my, my decisions are not based on me not wanting to be around or not wanting to be with you. Just understand that, like, maybe it's guy brain. Maybe it's just my brain, whatever you want to call it. But, like, I'm just locked in on something. And until you go, hey, why don't we take a long weekend? I'm just going to keep operating. Like, it's just... Here's the direction I'm pointed in until you tell me to go in a different direction. I'm just going to keep going. Honestly, I said to Emma, my wife, Emma, exactly the same. I said, I'll just work no matter what. And, you know, I, I've switched my hours. So I, like this morning, I, it's what? It's 20 past one UK time. This morning, I've been out um, uh, boot camp and all that sort of good stuff. And I've just been painting the garage floor. That's how exciting as it gets because I, I do my, mornings are my own these days and my evenings i'm working google hours in north america so yeah uh, so but it's beautiful it's just stunning here it's like i won't mean anything to you in uh fahrenheit what is it it is currently like 24 degrees what is that in fahrenheit i don't know i have no idea we'll call it I'm 75 gonna, 80 it's, it's gonna be it's heaven it's just heaven yeah yeah so well 75 to 80 is pretty much as good a temperature as you can get so it's That's 75 here right now. Perfect. Yeah, there we go. Hey, hey, now we can do the conversion. You just say heaven and I go, hey, 24 <laughs> equals 75. There we go. There it is. That's the conversion. I love it. And tomorrow, tomorrow actually, no, this afternoon is going to be 26 and 27. It gets better. That's beautiful. Jesus. Not bad. Not bad. Um, so what are we doing today? We do a podcast? What we yeah, we do just quick, quick, uh, quick podcast. I just wanted to, um, I think uh, the insurance world wants to know. Um, you know, now that they have um, 
acquired the the talents. You've taken Nigel Walsh has taken his talents to Google, as uh, LeBron would say. Um, I think the insurance world just wants to know what the heck is going on. And, um, you know, I I think mostly what I want to talk to you about is, you know, not so much. I'm I'm interested in in whatever you want to talk about with Google and some of the things you guys have going on. But I'm really interested in your take on where the industry is headed, because I think we're in such an interesting place. There's so much happening. I feel like in general, I, I feel like in general, the industry is starting to work together. Right, we hit that 2015 to 2017 period where it was like these guys are blowing up these guys and disruptors and all this kind of stuff, and it was very tumultuous. At least here in the states, it was. It was very tumultuous. There was everyone was kind of pitting against each other. There was a lot of land grabbing and chest thumping, and I feel like we've kind of gotten past that to a certain extent. And it very much feels like now everyone's pointed in mostly the right direction or same direction and now everyone's just kind of figuring out where they fit and there's going to be people that win and there's going to be people that fall behind but you know i'm just interested do you see that from where you're sitting and um you know i guess what a generally like macro high level macro trends what are you seeing that we can drill down from there it is exciting you saw the news this morning as well right it was, or you might not have seen it i'll um i'll tag you well we foxed the three billion bought by many at two billion and um we joe at a billion so there's loads and loads of folks that are raising money and going after things and almost hey the disruptors are dead type conversation feels like a little bit out of date now right yes these guys are going after things in a really big way yeah it it, it seems to me like and, and this may be um something that especially the listeners of this show, which are primarily people in, in different functions inside the independent insurance agency space in, in, in North America. That's primarily the audience. We do have some international listeners, but for the most part, just based on the topics we touch on, it very specific to um, the 37,000 independent agencies and agency owners and the carriers and vendors that serve them. Um, it almost, to me, is something that you know, these, these companies that, that were talking, using the term disruption and all this kind of stuff, they've kind of, they're kind of doing the same things they've always done, except they're just not attacking, you know, maybe traditional space anymore, but they're still moving fast and forward. They're building new products, more integrations, um, the speed and automation that's being used. We're getting into the podcast, aren't we? This is almost the, uh, isn't this the debate between digitization and digitalization though? So I would love to know the difference between those two things. Cause I've heard that and I've read some of the articles and stuff, but I don't know that I necessarily have my brain wrapped around it enough to be able to say, I know the defining difference between the two. Yeah. Fair. You, you know, it in a heartbeat, you just haven't heard it in a way that makes sense to you in that case. Cause it's easy. It's our, 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 you know, digit digitization is taking what we're doing tonight to doing today. It's replacing your fax machine with an email web form. That's gotcha. digitization. Digitalization is why are we asking these questions in the first place? It's nothing more than your, I, and I feel the agency world, this is where you and I will probably disagree, is going through a digitization to make ourselves more efficient, yes, but remain relevant. Whereas the folks that are disrupting are asking us why we need these in the first place. Yes. I, so I, I wholly agree. And this is actually one of the things that um, I've been trying to get more people on the show recently to talk about this particular topic. So that, thank you for that description. Now I clearly have it in my mind because I think 
In some cases, I've heard the two words used ubiquitously, and that's obviously a mistake. Um, and I think maybe that's where I was just a little like, are these actual different things or are, you know, and, and that, that kind of clears it up for me, which I appreciate. But I do think you're right. I think right now I see this in a lot of my peers. And um, I see people who are like, oh, what CRM should I have? That's, they're just digit, right? They're, instead of keeping, you know, papers on their desk, they're keeping the same information in their computer now. And then I talked to someone like, um, I talked to, you know, Fenris Digital, or I had the guy from Branch Insurance on, or uh, we had uh, Kyle Nagasuki from um, ClearCover on, and they are completely different conversations. The idea of even coming down as low as what CRM are we using is, you know, that's remedial stuff. That's kindergarten stuff. And those yeah, but, e but equally, the flip side to it is, and I, and I can play both sides of the coin, the flip side to it is digitization is not bad. It just might not be, it might not be a long-term thing. When I say long-term, it might not last past the next 10, 15, 20 years, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it um, I completely agree. And, and this is kind of a lot of the stuff that's going on in my own agency. So I launched with the mantra or the mantra is the wrong word. You can tell it's early here in this. <laughs> my brain is not fired up yet. Um, so uh, I launched with the mission of being a digitalizing agency, the agency that only asks the five questions, not the 50 questions in a web form. But to get there, right, to get there, I had to digitize first. So in order to get the contracts, in order to get up off the ground, to make the initial revenue that was necessary to start to put to put business on the books, I basically had to digitize a, the traditional model. And we did that. I buy that. I and, buy that. And, and, and in many cases, you had to go through those loops to get to that piece. But you might, is that true for everyone going forward as well? Or can we, is there, are there ways and means we can stop that going forward? I don't know. I, I, think, I think the very real reality is it depends on how much of the business the founder wants to own. I think it depends yeah. on how much money you need at the start. So if I had, well, one, if I was flush enough at the beginning, and I don't mean like having a couple hundred thousand, I mean, having, you know, real cash in the bank to start from scratch, we would have started digital to begin with, not digitized. But being that we were kind of a classic startup model and that, you know, we, I bootstrapped this thing for the first 12 months, um, there was no digital option for me. I had to take a traditional agency model and digitize. And now what I'm doing is synchronously taking Shifting. the processes from the digitized agency and building a digital agency alongside of it that will essentially um, take, that will overtake and, and then, I'll, and then I'll, I'll put the digitized agency away and just be a digital agency. But to do that, I had to operate these first 15 to 18 months as, as more of a digitized traditional agency. If that's not, does that make sense what I just said to you? Yeah, no, it, it does. It does. And as I said, don't forget, I don't think the digitization on its own is a bad thing. Yep. And I wonder about digitalization being so, so your next you, you keep going through the lowest, you can only move through the network at the slowest, the speed of the slowest thing. Yep. And if we if we create a fully digitalized agency that customers aren't ready for, then we still fail. Yes. Which is why digitization also works. Yes, yes. And I actually think, if I'm being completely honest, I will never get rid of the digitized agency. It will be a piece of the larger puzzle. And this is like, I had this whole, the first two words I wrote down when I started thinking about Rogue were human optimized, which is, 
I wish there was like a way cooler way of saying that idea because it, it kind of well doesn't roll off the tongue super nice. But the idea is I want to take the best aspects of digital and marry them to the best aspects of traditional. And I feel like in that sweet spot for the for, for as long as I need to be in business, that will be the holy grail of producing. Like I'm a distributor. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not manufacturing insurance. I'm distributing insurance as a distributor. I feel like that will be the, the sweet spot where I'll be able to serve the largest market while still having uh, a really solid um, flow at, at the least cost. That's my personal opinion. Um, and that's why I think that's why I'm kind of starting to build up the digital side um, because I have the digitized side. If I need to do pen and paper stuff, if I need to do anything that's kind of standard agency op, I can completely do that today. I have every piece in place. The digital side, because there is an entire market that wants that, that's the side that we're building right now. And, um, but you, you as an individual agent can't move a market or can't educate the entire. We're, we're back down to education. And I wonder whose role is it to educate? So, so will, you, will your eight year old buy insurance the same way that you and I do, or seven year old? No. And if they do, we've screwed, we've right, royally screwed up. We've royally screwed up. Yep. Yeah, I don't think that, yes, I agree um, that I don't think one company can do it, but I do think one or, and I do not think that Rogue is alone in what we're doing. So I don't want to say we are the, the, the leading edge of the sword, but I think along with a group of other players, some of which are, are more well capitalized today, some of which are growing alongside us, I feel like there is a group of of industry professionals who are who are telling this story who also have the um uh, i'm going to say this in a way that, that that might not come off as what i want there are people saying some things and they're wholly right but they haven't earned the they haven't earned the respect of people in order for anyone to listen i think eventually they will but they haven't yet and i think that more and more we need people who have spent time in the space to say that to, to to start saying these types of things, and I think we'll see an even larger and quicker adoption. I, that's my opinion. Or, or, or is it just a case of actually we just need people to start doing these things before we get anywhere? Because we can say it all we like. We've been saying things about insurtech for the last five years, but it's only when you see WeFox's three billion valuation. It's only when you see Lemonade and Root and Metromile and all these guys not talking about it, but just doing it. Yeah. I think, I think unfortunately there is an entire generation of insurance professional that can't wait to see all the companies you just named fail. And I think that is unfortunate because they still have voice and play in the space. And again, I'm speaking almost specifically to North America because I just don't know your market as well, but here, and I think that holds things back. I also know that if you live in Tennessee and run an independent insurance agency, you could make more money than you could ever need in your life with pen and paper today. But that's, back to the, that's exactly back to the point about digitization. Sometimes good is good enough. It doesn't need to be bleeding yes. edge or leading edge. You just need to make sure that you can pay your claims, you can service your customers, you can do the right thing. Well, it also depends on what your mission is, right? So if your mission is personal income, kids go to college, you know, spouse has a seven series in the driveway. We got a second house in Florida. If that's your mission, if that's what you're trying to do, which is an amazing mission, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking that. Anyway. 
right? Like, <laughs> hey, I'll sign up for that today if I if I could. I think if that's what you're trying to do, then it honestly doesn't matter. Just figure out where you are in the world, who you're trying to serve, and deliver those products, and you'll be completely successful. That's the brilliance of our industry. So, is it never mind human optimize? Is it more along the lines of insurance for the next generation? Yeah, because. Because then we go, how do you serve each of the participants or constituents along the way? How do I serve your kids and my kids that are, you know, seven, 11, eight, whatever? What are they going to buy? How are they going to buy it? How are they going to think about home ownership or car ownership? How are they, they going to think about setting up their own business? In the UK, for an example, I was chatting to someone earlier where we said more businesses have been started in the last 12 months than the prior 12 months. So even during a pandemic, people become more innovative and are out there taking risks using government support or whatever else to go and take start businesses. If you're a first time business owner, how do you know what insurance that you need and what you don't need? Where do you go to go trust it? Rogue Risk YouTube and, channel. <laughs> but, that's a, but, but, but so you just answered a really smart way of saying, how do I educate people? Do you know what I was doing the weekend? I was painting my garage floor. Do you know where I went to go and ask uh, the question about how do I go do it? What's the right way to do it? I went straight to YouTube because YouTube is my default learning channel where I want to go learn something. I jumped in there and said, here's what you do. Here's how you prep it before you paint it. And that was it. Um, I learned about the anti-inflammatory diet in which I lost 20 pounds and changed my entire life, including my mental clarity. I learned Are you about- still in cold showers? I did. I took one this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, Jordan Peterson. I've watched all his um, uh, biblical series, which I've watched now three times. I watched on YouTube. I learned about cryptocurrency on YouTube. I learned about, I mean, just, I could list all these things that are literally core pieces of who I am today or things I'm certainly interested in hobbies, you know, things I like to spend mental cycles yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. You, it's YouTube. It's all YouTube. My kids, my kids can barely navigate a phone, but if I get them to YouTube, they could find anything for me literally I'm, I'm so with you. my kids will literally sit there watching other kids playing minecraft i don't get it i don't get minecraft i don't get the why they sit there watching other games but they love it and they learn and it's I... great what's up guys sorry to take you away from the episode but as you know we do not run ads on this show and in exchange for that i need your help If you're loving this episode, if you enjoy this podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, I would love for you to subscribe, share, comment if you're on YouTube, leave a rating review if you're on Spotify or Apple iTunes, et cetera. This helps the show grow. It helps me bring more guests in. We have a tremendous lineup of people coming in, uh, men and women who've done incredible things, sharing their stories around peak performance, leadership, growth, sales, the things that are going to help you uh, grow as a person and grow your business but they all check out comments, ratings, reviews. They check out all this information before they come on. So as I reach out to more and more people and want to bring them in and share their stories with you, I need your help. Share the show, subscribe if you're not subscribed, and I'd love for you to leave a comment about the show because I read all the comments, or if you're on Apple or Spotify, leave a rating review of this show. I love you for listening to this show, and I hope you enjoy it listening as much as I do creating the show for you. All right, I'm out of here. Peace. Let's get back to the episode. This is a conversation I have with my seven-year-old. I So I'm 
doing a little work yesterday, right? And he, I could hear him because he was we he gets he got his phone time or whatever, right? We're, we're pretty. I don't want to say we're restrictive, but we definitely try to be good about the phone. We're like so, all parents. We 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 lose frustration at the point the screen time becomes whatever else, right? Yes. So I said, okay, man, you can have a half hour phone time. Okay, cool. So he's doing his phone. I'm I'm banging away on some work or whatever, and I hear this thing that you're saying Minecraft, and there's this guy and he's cackling, and he's talking about all these things, and the screen's moving around a million. So I just come over and I'm like, hey man, what you watching? And I, and I knew it was like in the um, G rate, you know, I knew I had the setting set up. So I knew it wasn't, well, hopefully wasn't something crazy. Um, it didn't sound like something crazy, just something I didn't know about. And I'm watching this going, this is, I, I said to him, do you understand what he's saying? Because he's speaking English, but not English that I understand. And he's going, oh, yeah. it, it is a whole brand new language. Then you can jump into things like, um, Mr. Beast and all these. I mean, they are, it's a world I should know more about and I'm getting to grips with it. And actually on my induction to, to Google, I learned some really cool things and it was all delivered obviously remotely because I'm still remote given the pandemic. But things like, hey, did you know, and this is a great thing, thing about insurance, right? Did you know that half the photographs that we receive are upside down? Why is that? because we're left-handed or right-handed. Oh, jeez. Right? And I'm assuming you didn't know that because you're right-handed, right? Yeah, Same no, thing. I had no idea, yeah. Right? But if you're like that and taking pictures, it's fine. If you're on the other hand and you're doing it the other way around, all of a sudden insurance carriers or any any organizations receiving photographs that are appear to be upside down, but actually you're not. So imagine if you're either left-handed or ambidextrous and you're submitting something, you're submitting it in the wrong way or perceived wrong way. And there's so many good examples that I sat through and just watched many of them, many, many years old, but just great examples of businesses that have started up and then just accelerated through the pandemic or, or whatever. Yeah. Else. So it's, it's a phenomenal channel and, and goes back to our point about actually, how do we go and get people to educate things or educate on certain topics? I'm not sure you've probably seen the same in the States where people go, Hey, where do you get financial advice? I look at things like, Facebook or TikTok and the amount of people that go onto the local village group and go, anyone recommend anyone to help me with a mortgage? And they recommend personal recommendations or people posting their personal situation onto Facebook and then saying, what should I do in this scenario? And I'm sitting there going, you need to speak to a financial advisor because yeah. you shouldn't be answered by the local village person that probably isn't qualified to give you financial advice. Yeah. If they're on Facebook at this moment, probably not the person that should be giving financial advice. But uh, it's just balancing all those things out. And I do think content, you know, you know, the other way to look at it is, and then if you, the last time you bought a new car, but you buy a new car, I haven't bought one for a long time, but it comes with like a huge chunky manual. Whoever opens the manual and reads the manual to a car. I don't know that anyone ever has. I think the only time I've ever looked for it was when I had to go and find how to change the oil or flip open some sort of uh, thing to get water in somewhere. And I couldn't find the fuse or whatever. But outside that, we don't do it. Everything's straight to the dash or straight to the phone. You want to you want, you want to learn something these days? It literally is straight to YouTube. So how do we get insurance to be that cool? I I have the perfect example for this. I got a flat tire. I'm on the side of the highway, and I've never and it's, I got a truck. Uh, I got a Ford Ford F one fifty, and I never changed the flat on this particular vehicle before. So I get out of the car, and I've changed flats. Right, I'm from the woods, I'm relatively handy. You know, this is a task that I can perform, okay? So I'm like, okay, no big deal. 20 minutes, we're back on the road. 
I cannot find the jack. Can't find it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm under the car. I mean, now there's cars, you know, zipping by 70 miles an hour. I'm under the car. I can't find I'm under the truck. I'm looking, I can't find the jack. I'm going, I don't have a jack. I can see the tire. I can literally see the tire. Okay. So finally, um, I, I, I pull a string in the car, in the back and the thing, this, the whole seat pops out and there's a jack. I'm like, this is amazing. Okay. We're good. Boom, boom. I cannot figure out how to get the tire off the car. I mean, I'm now we're an hour into this project. So finally, what I could have solved in two seconds, because I go Ford F-150 remove tire into YouTube. One minute and 30 second video shows me exactly how to do it. If I had just used my brain, like I would have for any other project, I would have been out of there in the 20 minutes. Instead, it was an hour and a half. But I'm like, it took, I didn't go to the manual. I didn't even think to look in the manual. Didn't even think about it. I didn't even, I forgot it was even there. As soon as the problem got to the point where I could not figure it out, I just went to YouTube. The answer was the first answer. It was a minute and 30 seconds. My problem was solved and on I went. That's so I, I'm with you, by the way. And the next question, therefore, is at what point do we rely on this too much and then not work out what we can and can't do? But I, I think this is the battle that we're currently in over authority, trust, and 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 built uh, on and content creators, right? We're in this. We are in um, a second generation. To, so, so my my background is content marketing. That's you know any success that I've had in business is because I think everything through the filter. But you can tell marketing. the story. You can tell the narrative. You can picture what people actually want and see. So, so I look through that and I, and I look right now, we're in the kind of second or even maybe the third generation of content creators, which are people who entire lives are based around educating, right? Now you need to be very careful with that. And that's where I come back to, we need more people who've earned the right to have an opinion. I know, I know a lot of people listening to this may hate that term, earn the right, because we kind of are in a point in society where, you know, everyone should just be able to say whatever they want, regardless of their, what they've done or not. But I feel like in order to have true authority, you have to have earned some validation of your thoughts and your skills. And the more people cycle out of doing into teaching who've also, who've already done the thing. And you see this with like, in the, in the, in like Paul Graham, right? If Paul Graham tweets something, you're like, that's probably true. Probably true. Right. Like probably true. He's done it. You know, now he mostly just creates content. Yeah. He still advises, but he's not really doing startups anymore. So he is a treasure because when he has an opinion on a topic, you're like there. And I think in the insurance industry, we haven't gotten to that yet. We haven't gotten enough. That, that's sorry, that's back to brands that you trust. Yeah. And again, let's assume that you and I are both 21 years old and we then go back to our eight and 12 year olds. Will do, do the brands they trust different from the brands that we trust? Yes but they're dumb because they're 21 and they're going to make a whole bunch of mistakes just like we did when we were 21. And they're going to learn how to validate who to trust and who not to trust. And then when they get to be in their late twenties, thirties and forties, they'll have a really solid filter on how to pick people that they should trust and people they shouldn't trust. Yeah. And I think that that grows or you back to your point, you earn it over time, right? You earn, you earn, you earn that respect. You earn that insight. You earn the, how people understand, learn, deal with logic and have built up that narrative to go, actually, if my business is in these things, I'd like to know these are the things that I need. These are the nice to have, and these are the must have. Yeah. And that would be a really cool, a cool way of presenting it. I think the other side of this is brands, not content creators 
or educators, but brands who, who, who have earned it. Right. Um, and, and in some cases, this will be companies that today are still growing, right? Like there'll be a day when a, you know, potentially a clear cover or a hippo or some of these, right. Really smart, innovative companies. Like, like if I, if I were hippo and I was in home insurance, I would have a whole module inside of Minecraft somewhere where you're building these places and you can insure them. Right. Like that's where my brain goes is I would want every eight-year-old insuring with some sort of diamond force field, whatever the hell my kid was talking about, his Minecraft thing with Hippo. Well, what's Hippo? Freaking home insurance. Oh, well, when they, in 10 years from now, when they're looking for homes or 12 years from now, when they're looking for homes or their parents are looking for home insurance and the kid says it at the kitchen table, uh, you know, they're learning what, one, they're learning the concept and two, you're, you're validating very early on a brand in their life. And like, that's where my mind goes for some of this stuff is either the creator validates because they've done it and earned that right. Or the brand attached to that creator gives that, you know, by, by, by being the filter, the brand is the filter to the creator. And again, there's always going to be cases where this doesn't work, but I do think that that one side or the other can validate them, right? A, a really well-respected creator can validate a brand or a really well-respected brand can validate a creator. And if they're constantly working together, you do start to paint a picture of, you know, what's actually going on. But you've just given me an idea and one that's been thought of many times in the past as well. But if, if Minecraft turned around and said, eating your greens and broccoli and cauliflower was good for you, I'm pretty sure our kids would be, you know, eating their greens and cauliflower and broccoli all the time because Minecraft said so. Equally, if you think about things like, is it um, uh, Second Life or all these virtual worlds that you lived in? If there was real things in there that you could buy, which there is, mm -hmm. what if Minecraft had for the base or house that you set up and my daughter did the same, she creates houses and my son comes along and destroys it or whatever else. <laughs> what if she could buy insurance from a brand for some false currency that sets that brand off in her in her mind at what age do we start doing that get them at three get them early i mean I'm, I, I'm i'm kind of joking about that but i do think that there's like i think about that scenario you just played right i mean how freaking i mean just the pr alone would be amazing and again i'm gonna use hippo as an example only because i'm we just got appointed with them. So, um, and thank you for that hippo people. Um, so let's say hippo says we're launching brother insurance. So when you, when you build a home in Minecraft, you buy insurance against your brother who I, who we know is going to come in when he logs in and blow your house up, right? Well, however that's done. And, you know, I'm just making this up, but like, but like, that very simple, stupid thing, but you could do a whole, I could just see like a whole PR campaign around it and kids going, Hey ma, can I have 50 cents or 50 credits yeah. or whatever to, to, I love it. to, to ensure my Minecraft house against Johnny, who's who I know when he logs in and an hour is going to blow my house. Up. I, I, I love that because it starts to teach them the purpose of some of these things that you can get and what you can't get. What you need to do is make sure you obviously, you obviously then protect them. Yeah. The Mr. Beats, I just had a quick scan. He's a 23-year-old guy, Jimmy, Jimmy Donaldson. Yeah. He's got 62.4 million subscribers on his main channel, 99 million combined. 
He's had 10.7 billion views. Imagine buying access to that sort of, hey, it's Hippo, it's Root, it's Metromar, it's bought by many, it's whoever. Yeah. You've got, a, you've got a dog or a pet in one of these worlds. You want to ensure where the best pet insurance company. You're building your own business on there. Remember, remember we, we, you and I grew up probably playing Sims, right? Or something like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, SimCity right. and all that kind of stuff, yeah. So you built your own world. How do we manage to ensure those things along the way if we needed it? Yeah. Against events. What are those events? It could, you know, and we go back to, we're still in education, right? We go back to the whole, I get frustrated. We leave school and you picked it up exactly. You're going, I know all these things in maths and geography and history, but I can't change a tire at 150. Sorry. I can't change a, an outlet. And um, I've got absolutely no idea what a bank account or compound interest looks like. Yeah. Why are we teaching those things to get us by at a different level going forward? I mean, think about how much how much different our world would be. And, and this is going to sound crazy, but I honestly believe this. If all math, if all we did in math was teach them like the four basics, right? Like addition, subtraction, multiply, division. We don't need derivatives or any of that crazy nonsensical stuff. Maybe a little bit of geometry, just a little of the basics, right? And compound interest. If everyone knew what compound interest was, we all would live very, very different. Like, right? Like we would be investing in things and nurturing things and watching them grow and and even the simplest and smallest i mean right like you put ten dollars a week into something you buy one less coffee how much is it? i mean these are like simple concepts that would change our entire world Honestly, i i agree with that to some extent i don't agree with other nonsense because i think we should we should learn it all but we should absolutely learn the practicalities of these my best advice i was given personally when i left university was pay off your debt quickly I would start paying into a pension, even if it was a tiny amount. I put in 50 bucks a month when I was 21. And it was a big stretch back then. But funny enough, 25 years later, it's worth a little bit of money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy. I, I just wish, I guess the thing is, where do, where do that generation go to get that insight advice? If you want to be a dancer or um, an actor or whatever else, you go to dance school, you go to acrobat school, you go wherever, you know, um, all these things, you go acting school. But the reality is most of us come out of school and become uh, someone in a white collar job, blue collar job, whatever it might be. But you go, or if you, if, you, if, you come, if you start your own business, you become an entrepreneur, where's the business school piece without going to business school? Yeah, where's the, actually, these are the things when you set up, these are the 10 things you need to get going. I tell you what, the banks have done a good job. Some of the banks have done a really good job of going, starting your first business, here's what you need. Seed capital, protection, space, insurance. And it's just digging into each one of those things one by one that's important. I'd say the the more digitized or digital banks have done a good job with that. I still, as much as I appreciate uh, community bank, and there are a lot of community banks, at least around where I live, I still have to go in and wet sign like 17 forms to set up a bank account. And it is freaking bananas. Like it's just bananas. Like it, 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 it's, I'm in the worst bank ever right now. Like the bank that I use is awful. I hate every part of it. It won't let me do the things I need to do at the speed I need to do them. It's awful. And the idea of changing that bank to another bank is like a day of my life. Like I literally have to take a day to get all the money out of one bank and into another I just haven't done it. And, um, you know, you look at that and you think, but I, I, let's, I want to put down a pause. I want to go back to your question of where are these people going to, where is this next generation going to be learning from? It's not there. Well, here's what I know for a fact. 
it's not going to be CNN. It's not going to be Fox News. It's not going to be the New York Post. It's not going to be the New York Times. It's going to be YouTube and TikTok and obscure blogs and Reddit sub channels and whatever the else comes out that we haven't even thought of yet that's happening. WhatsApp group channel things. Like, I mean, they're, that that's going to be where they get educated on stuff. Like, I don't have any of those things on my phone. You know where I go for news in the morning? I go to Reddit, sub, subreddits, and Twitter. I have subreddits that I follow and Twitter, and that's where I get my news. If it's not happening in yeah. those two places, I don't see it. But then I, I also get reminded on a regular basis that we are the exception rather than the rule because most people, you know, I, listen, listen, I, I'm a big fan of Pivot Podcast with Cara Swisher and Professor Scott Galloway. And he was talking about explaining to another fellow dad about um, cryptocurrency and all that sort of stuff. And it's amazing the folks that understand it, know it, or have a small bit of knowledge or have a huge bit of knowledge. I, I'm in the camp of having a tiny bit of knowledge, but we're still in the top, you know, couple of percent. There's not, it's alien to most people. And it's still early days for most of those things where most of those folks can't get past just the basics. So we're just going to work out where our audience is and how we back to our very first point are we dealing with the folks that are mass or the small niche that wants super digitalized or whatever else back to, back to my point digitized as in an improved less broken process if you didn't have to go wet sign or whatever else you'd be happier you wouldn't bother changing yeah i i i think I, I think the balance, and this is the balance that I constantly struggle with, not struggle, but, but I'm, um, I'm considering where your audience is today. Very few people. I mean, I was at a party on Saturday night. Uh, it was a charity event. There were a lot of people there that you would think with the amount of money that they had would be aware of, of crypto more than they were, right? And this small pocket of four nerds, we found each other. And we, that's all we talked about for two and a half hours where everyone else drank champagne. And I, you know, and uh, I got a Coors Light in my hand, just dissecting Ethereum versus Cardano. You know what I mean? It's like, I, what, I, what's my wife's like, what's wrong with you? But, but so, so yes, but the puck, I guess my thought is right. So it's, it, the puck is here today. This is where we are, but where, how do you balance that versus where to me, it is inevitably going. Right. And that's my, that's my perspective. I think there's an argument to be made. Hey, maybe it, this particular topic fizzles or this never becomes as important, or maybe we have a counterculture revert to localization where everyone goes back to, you know, barter trading. I mean, who the hell knows, but you know, where I see it going versus today and how do you balance that as a business is a really big question. It almost reminds me of the debate for many years about software companies that used to sell perpetual and then moved to cloud or SaaS-based models. And that valley of the shadow of death between the two is a really hard place to manage. Yeah. No, if you're a public company, you're managing, even if you're private, you're managing investor or shareholder expectations on one hand to show perpetual increases while you dip and move to an annual recurring revenue perspective. Yeah. And that is a transitionary state that most folks have jumped. Yeah. But going through it is quite painful. And I feel like we're in that painful point right now, whether it's ownership of assets or creation of businesses or whatever it might be. But once we're through the other side, the acceleration is going to be through the roof. I couldn't agree with you more. Nigel, I know you have to go. It is 
such a pleasure to spend time, man. I could, I, we could wrap for three more. I actually avoided a bunch of topics because I was like, these are rabbit holes that'll take us hours to get to. So, man, I, I just appreciate it. Um, I, I, uh, we had our first conversation like a month or two back, but always been an enormous fan. I'm so happy. Google absolutely hit a home run by snatching you. And um, I just, uh, hopefully sometime in the future, we can do this again. Um, or just talk offline so we can just talk shit about everyone and no one can hear us. A hundred percent. I always, likewise, I've always enjoyed the content and keep creating stuff that makes it people easy to understand. Yeah. Thanks, man. Hey, be good.